Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Matthew chapter 16, we'll take you on a rabbit trail. In verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, or Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, or his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say some, John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Or who do you say that I am? Today, who do you say Jesus is? Who is he? Who is he to you? Do you see him through the lens of his word? Or do you see him through the lens of what you have experienced in life? Of what people have told you? of maybe what you watched on television. If that's how you would see God today away from his word, let me help you. More than likely, it is a false narrative. It is not true. It is distorted. It's a distorted view. It is a dysfunctional view. Because the only way you truly know God for who he is is by his word. Is by his word. You may even had a dream or a vision or the spirit of God come to you. But let me help you. How do you know it's God when you have a dream, vision, or the spirit of God? It always confirms with his word. God will never tell you something. A dream would never happen and a vision would never happen that doesn't align with his word. And so today, if you've had some type of dream, vision, or an angel come to you and it doesn't confirm with his word, I would be cautious to say that that's not the spirit of God, that that is something else and I wouldn't entertain it. Amen? Remember, the enemy, Satan, is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour, who he may devour. He's seeking you out. But today, through our dominion and authority that we have through the blood of Jesus, which we just got done talking about, we know that when we take our place rightfully in Christ, well, when he comes, because I know who I am in Christ, he has no authority. He can come all he wants. It don't matter. I know who I am in Christ. The Bible tells me to stand. And having done with all, continue to stand. Stand. Stand in what? Stand on who he is. Stand on what he has done. Stand on who you are in him. Stand on the dominion and the authority that God has given you through his blood. See, the church, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So Simon Peter had this revelation from God that he, listen to this, Jesus was the Messiah. The Messiah, the coming king, the Lord of lords, God in flesh. Amen? And this is what Jesus said to him. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this revelation, this understanding, this knowledge of me being the Messiah, as we're saying, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell. Now, if it's a gate, that's mean, if it's a gate, that means it has entrances in and out, right? It says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against what? The church. I've said this every single time I've ministered on this specific subject, and I'm going to say it today, 
that you cannot do church on your own. The church is a body, not an individual. You see in the Bible, the church members or the individuals classified as limbs, as sheep, as building blocks or bricks or stones. But what makes a church is when it comes together. When it's separated, it can't flourish or flourish. It can't grow. It can't do what God intended it to do. This is why there's no such thing as your ministry. It is his kingdom, his ministry, and he uses you as he wants to. The Bible even says that he will set you in the body if you let him. He wants to set you in the body. See, what does that mean? It's kind of like a dislocated shoulder. When it's out of place, it hurts really bad. But as soon as you place it back in, you set it in, it feels perfect. It feels right. It feels like it's supposed to feel. See, today you may not be part of a body. Am I talking about the universal body? No, I'm talking about the local body, the local New Testament church, because that was God's plan with the new covenant, with his purpose and plan for the church age today, is to have a local New Testament body that is standing in local regions to where the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That's why there are churches all around the world that God placed. You might say, why are there so many different churches all around the area? Why is there one over here? Why is there one in Australia? Why is there one in America, Hawaii, China, South Africa? Why does God do it that way? Why isn't there just one church? Well, there is one universal church, which makes the whole body, but then there are local churches so that those people or that body can fulfill the call and the will of God that God has placed in a region. This church started with a prophetic word that sheep were scattered and God was sending men and women to gather scattered sheep and that the sheep that were scattered were gonna come into a place where they were gonna be cared for, where they were gonna be nurtured for, and where they were going to be empowered to develop and to grow to be a church that where the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Why are you here today? So that you can come into the full understanding and revelation of what Christ has done in you, so that you can be a Christian that is burning with fire and with zeal and with desire to fulfill his will, to fulfill his purpose. Because it's not about your own agenda per se, it's about finding out what is God's will for me today? What is God's will for his church today? See, this church has vision. It has life. The title of my message today, and I know I don't have long, is the church that power in here and now. Here and now. Say here and now. This is the attitude the church has to have. Here and now. Salvation is here and now. God provided a way for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, it says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house hold of God. Look at that. Fellow citizens. Who is a citizen today? Every person that's had their hand up. Of the saints and members of the household of God. This is the house. This is the temple. This is where God dwells. Not only does he dwell in us individually, but he dwells within us when we come together. 
That's why assembling together is so important, and that's why you can't do it online. You can't. It's physically impossible to be a functioning, active member online from a computer screen because the gift and the graces that God has put on your life, you can't use them. Because the reality, the gifting, the grace, and everything that God has given you, guess what? It's for his glory. It's to be used for his kingdom. It's not just for you to put you up on a pedestal on a platform and say, look at me. I've said this a couple of times, and I'm going to say it again. The time of elevating people, gifts, ministries, organizations, names is over. It's about him. It's about his glory. Does that mean we don't honor? No. Does that mean we don't submit? No. Because those are two very biblical things that you see in the Bible. And we are living in a time where honor and submission isn't really a thing anymore. Let's not get it twisted. We live according to the word, not how we see the word should be. That's what Satan does. He wants to create a counterfeit to the truth. See, everything that God creates, guess what? Satan creates a counterfeit. You see it in the day and age that we live in. You saw it 2,000 years ago. You saw it even in the garden. He told Adam and Eve, Satan, all sly and manipulative, hey, didn't he say that if you ate that, you'd be like him? See, you gotta be, we have to be careful that we as the body of Christ do not live in a place of a lack of knowledge. We have to know who we are. And knowledge comes through his word. Now it says this, built on the foundation, verse 20, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, now what is it talking about? It's talking about the body. We are built upon the foundations of, first and foremost, the apostles and the prophets and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, the cornerstone is what holds together two walls. So Christ joins us together as Christians. We are being joined together as believers, as individual members of a body, through Jesus, the chief cornerstone, into one body, guess what, dedicated to God. This is what Jesus has done, and this is who he is. He is our firm foundation. We sung it just a second ago. He is the cornerstone in whom we are being joined together, we grow. Think about that. The only way for growth in a body is when we are joined together. The church should be a place of harmony, of love, and unity. If it's anything else than that, it won't grow. It won't grow. You will have factions and divisions and cliques and gossip and hatred. And eventually that church will die out. But we must have this same understanding and revelation of this scripture that we are being a whole structure joined together and we will grow. Now look, the word access, it says for in him we both have access, means we can approach God or we can have access to God or we have admission. Another uh, definition is we have audience with God. We have audience with God through one spirit, Jesus Christ. You have an audience with him. See, today we're doing water baptism. And water baptism does not save you. 
So for those that are getting water baptized, I'm not baptizing you because you're not saved yet. I'm baptizing you because you are already saved. Water baptism, going underwater and coming out, does not save you. Let me give you some scripture real quick. It says this. In 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteousness, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Now he's talking about Jesus going down to hell. Listen to this. And he's proclaiming to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, talking about Noah and his family, were brought safely through water. Now verse 21, baptism which corresponds to this now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the removal of filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience toward God means this. Peter was very careful to point out to me and you today that it isn't actually the water that the water washing of baptism that saves us, but the spiritual reality behind the immersion in water. Now we know that when we go underwater, it is significant of his death, burial, and then when we come out, it is resurrection. When you go in the water, that's death and burial. When you come out, resurrection. What does that mean? Well, Jesus died, he was buried, and three days later, he rose again. And how did that happen? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. How do you get saved? Well, first it happened in your spirit. There is something that we call the new birth or being born again. Remember in John chapter 3, we see a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He said, how can, actually let's just read it real quick just so we can stay in context with Scripture. It says, Rabbi or teacher, we know that you are a teacher from God. And he said, no one can do these signs unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus' response back to him, well, how can someone be born again? Does that mean he has to come born again of his mother, meaning have another natural birth? No, he said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So this means that salvation is a spiritual rejuvenation, regeneration that happens when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. That's the moment you get saved. That's the moment that you become born again. Now water baptism is a outward sign of what inwardly changed in you. That's what water baptism is. But before water baptism, you must get saved. Today you may be here and not a Christian yet. You maybe have not given your life to God. And let me help you. Today that opportunity is here for you. And it first starts with you believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that he is Lord. Meaning he rules and reigns over you. Now today... You have already maybe given your life to Jesus, but you've never been water baptized. And maybe you're not on the list today and you want to do that. I'm encouraged you to do it because it is an outward sign. It's a proclamation. It's saying, God, I give you my life. It's publicly telling the world, to your family, to the body, I'm a Christian. 
Jesus did it. His disciples did it. And since then, everyone's done it that's been a Christian or that has given their life to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, and I'm done in two minutes. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now listen, we are a church that has power here and now. So we have power through salvation. There is also power in water baptism. There is. It's publicly declaring what God has done in us. It's powerful. Today when you get baptized, it's a powerful moment. You are proclaiming to everyone, man, I've changed. It's a bold statement to say. We don't take it lightly. And thirdly, there's another baptism. There's a baptism of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, which happens in Acts chapter 2. So there's three baptisms. The baptism of salvation, water baptism, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which that is when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So there are two works of the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. The first one is the inward work, which is, that, is in, that's in you in the new birth. That's how you got born again was through the Spirit of God. So if you are a Christian today, that means the Holy Spirit is in you. He dwells in you. But then there's another work of the Holy Spirit, and that is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this is what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's the initial sign that you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, does that mean that that's all there is? No, by far no. That means that you have been given power. You see in Acts chapter 1-8, it says that he has given you power to be a witness. When do you receive power? When you get filled with the Holy Ghost. How do you know you're filled? Well, you get filled to the point where it just comes out of you like rivers of living water. It begins to bubble out of you. That's what tongues is. It's speaking the mysteries of God. It's a heavenly language. It's an angelic language. It's speaking the mysteries of God. The Bible says that we pray in tongues to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. See, let me tell you today that the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit today is here and now. Not later on. It didn't die with the apostles, but it's for here and today. Now, maybe you've never experienced it. Maybe you've been taught a different doctrine and a different understanding, and you are completely shut off to that. And I understand that. But can I help you today? Just because you have been taught a certain doctrine or an understanding doesn't mean that it's not wrong. You say, well, you could be wrong. I very well could be. But let me help you today. I have tasted and I have seen. I've experienced the glory of God. See, the Bible says that when you pray in tongues or when you pray in an unknown tongue, your mind is completely unfruitful, unfruitful and has no clue what it's saying. At this moment, I could begin to pray in tongues and I would have no clue what I'm saying, but my spirit's praying. When I was praying here last night, I was studying a little bit about praying in the Holy Ghost. Do you know that you can also magnify God in tongues? See how we magnify God in the understanding? We sing praises and we worship him. You can magnify God even in tongues meaning your spirit's magnifying him. A lot of times we just pray in tongues for ourselves to build us stuff up. But you can also pray in tongues and it's magnifying unto him. You're magnifying him. See, today there's three baptisms that are here and now for the church. 
right here and right now. And this is the attitude and the mindset and the understanding and the revelation that the church needs in this day and age because we have been given power that is untapped, that has not been touched, and we as a church need to just come into the, the fulfillment of what God has given to us through his spirit. And once last scripture, and I'm done. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Today, I'm going to do two things before we do water baptism. The first thing is this, every head bowed and eye closed. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus to become a Christian. You say, is that important? It's one of the most important decisions you'll make in your life. See, we treat this, for some reason we treat salvation when someone gets saved as something common. It's not. Let's not allow the things of God, the the things that we do as a church to become common. You may be saved for 20 years. Praise God. What about the person that's not? Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, Go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.